0: Appreciate uh, all of our church. I'm thankful that we have a church that uh, loves one another. Uh, there's not, uh, although there have been times in the ten years that we've been here, there have been times we've had disagreements, uh, but there's never been an instance where we've had to call the sheriff uh, to come to church. Uh, I've never been threatened with a knife or a gun by one of the deacons, uh, and. There's churches, believe it or not, that can't say that. That Crazy stuff like that goes on in some churches. And I'm thankful that this is not one. I pray that we never will be uh, one. But uh, one thing that characterizes this church, I think, more than anything else, is the love that we have for one another. Uh, I really believe if somebody comes to visit our church, uh, that they will leave here feeling loved. They'll know that somebody cares about them. Sometimes I think we maybe love on them too much and we scare them away. Uh, but uh, that's what it is. Uh, got to take us or leave us, you know. And uh, we are what we are. But uh, I'm thankful that we have a, a loving church. And I don't think you can find a more loving church anywhere. Uh, I don't say that just because I'm the pastor of this church. I really do. Uh, believe that. Uh, Leslie and I have felt that uh, love, and uh, we know that you love us, and I hope you know that we love you uh, as well. And uh, that's an appropriate song um, for uh, Tiffany and Carol to sing tonight. So we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, which is the great love chapter uh, of the Bible. So begin uh, reading with me in verse 1. First Corinthians thirteen. It says though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, But have not love, it profit me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity. But rejoices in truth bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Familiar passage of Scripture to probably all of us. Uh, I would uh, venture to guess that you've at least read this passage of Scripture one time in your life. You've probably read it, though, many times. Uh, in your life, the Bible talks a great deal about love, um, several times uh, throughout in the Old and the New Testament. John, uh, the apostle, goes so far in in the letter First John, say this that God is love, and anyone that loves is born of God. But the one that does not love is not born of God. And so, love is something that the Bible takes very seriously, and we should as well as God's children in 2017. We live in a world that uh, love, is, that word love, is cast around very nonchalantly, very easily. We misuse the word love oftentimes to refer to it to, oh, I love Chick-fil-A, I love this cheeseburger, I love this television show, I love that preacher of ours. Uh, Hopefully you do love me. uh, We throw that word around. part of the reason, I think, is because uh, in English we have the one word love. In Greek there were uh, five or six different uh, terms that they had for love. There were... There's the brotherly love, uh, Phileo, that's where Philadelphia is, the city of brotherly love. There's sexual love, the eros. There's uh, family love. Uh, But the love that the Bible talks of most often is agape love. And this agape love is undeserved, insane love. You might describe it that makes no sense. Because it's love that loves despite circumstances. And it's love that, that hangs even when it's rough. And that is the kind of love that this world definitely does need more of. And so, when we talk about God's love, and Paul gives uh, some characteristics of this love, but I want to remind us that, you know, we read uh, scripture kind of piecemeal Uh, and sometimes when we do that we by that I mean we read it in sections but this was a letter that Paul wrote and he wrote it to be read all at once just like if you get a letter you don't just read the first sentence and put it up and then come back read the second one come back the third day read it no you read it all at one time don't you and you get the gist of the letter, or the email now. Nowadays, nobody sends letters hardly anymore, um, but we send email. Uh, but uh, the letter of 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote as one. And we need to remember that the love that he's talking about, he addresses it in the context of chapter twelve, which, in that context, it's dealing with uh, issues that have to do with spiritual gifts and unity in the church. And so we must be mindful and remember and just kind of put that in the back of our mind. And then, Paul, it's interesting to me, and a lot of Bible scholars have said this chapter does not belong here. That it it was a mistake that somebody came later and added it. But I think when we realize the point that the Apostle Paul is trying to make, we see that, no, it indeed does fit here. It does indeed. Uh, it is not a rabbit trail that Paul's chasing. Like, preachers, sometimes we do. We're prone to chase a rabbit or two every now and again, and we don't ever catch him. We wouldn't know what to do with him if we did catch him. Uh, but we keep chasing them from time to time. Paul's not doing that here. Uh, He's making a point that, listen, the recipe for how a church has a right relationship with one another and how they make sure their, their worship is right and how they make sure that their service is right and they're using their spiritual gifts right is love. Because if we love one another and love the Lord, why, things will fall into place if we really love God and we love one another, we're not going to demand our own rights. We're not going to come up and say, hey, listen, my spiritual gifts are better than yours. Nanny, nanny, nanny. We're not going to say, listen, you're sitting in the front row, Martha. Get up. I want to sit in the front. Of course, nobody would ever do that anyway, but especially in a Baptist church. Uh, these front pews are the safest in this building. Uh, nobody has to worry, but you know, Martha and Cliff and Lynn don't have to worry about somebody taking their spot because it's, it's safe, unless it's a visiting preacher. Uh, they might be prone to, to sit up to the front. But, uh, you know, uh, but that really is, is it. But, you know, so when we really love one another and we have this agape love, a love that Paul says, you know, really is more important than faith and hope. Now, is Paul saying faith and hope don't matter? Absolutely not. But he's saying as important as faith is, and Paul writes probably more than any other New Testament writer about faith and hope. They're mighty important to him. But he says as important as those things are, love is supremely more important. Because love suffers long. It's patient. It's kind. It doesn't promote itself. doesn't demand its own way. It's not haughty. It's not rude. Sadly, sometimes interactions between Christians get kind of rude. And when it does, you can disagree with people and do it in a loving way. But when shouting matches ensue and sheriffs have to be called and knives or guns are pulled, love has gone out the window. So it doesn't desire evil. When you love somebody, you know, uh, you know, sometimes even people we love can make us mad. Leslie probably on a, at least monthly basis. Oh, I wish I could strangle that Aaron. Uh, she never has. She's never, as far as I know, tried to it might, while I'm sleeping or something. I'm in deep sleep or something. But, but I guarantee you she's at least thought it. It does, huh, it does but not you mention that, hmm. Hmm. And uh, so, uh, <laughs> but you know, when you love someone, you can disagree with them. You can be angry with them, even. And yet, you don't want harm to come to him. And by the way, Paul also says, you know something else that love doesn't do? Love doesn't push sin under the carpet. Love doesn't just ignore it and pretend it's not there. In fact, he says, you know what? It it says love does not rejoice in iniquity. It rejoices in truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. It hurts on a yearly or semi-yearly basis. When I go to my doctor and he says, Preacher, you're fat. That's true. He says, your cholesterol is a little high. It needs to be lower. If somebody smokes, their doctor tells them every time they go, quit smoking. Eat better. You know, it's, they probably want to sometimes put it on a recording. They, I, they probably tell us all the same thing. Watch what you eat, exercise more, quit smoking if you do, and, you know, that kind of thing. it's hard to hear those things. Why does the doctor tell us that, even though probably they know that most of the time we're not going to listen to them? Because as our doctor, they love us. They're concerned for us. They want what's best for us. If they're a good doctor, they're not just after their $40 copay. They really are concerned for you. Would the doctor just say, well, thanks for coming by. Everything's just hunky-dory, out, out the door you go. They could say that. They wouldn't be a very good doctor, and they certainly wouldn't love you if they did that. So we see sometimes the truth hurts. But that doesn't change the fact that there's times all of us need to hear some difficulties. And it really is a sign of love when somebody is willing to come to us and tell us something they know we don't want to hear or something that's hard, something that's uncomfortable. But if we really love something, we're going to lovingly tell it. Now, you don't go and say, listen, you little sinner, let me bop you upside the head with a two-by-four and... Wap your head off, that's not in love. But if we really love somebody, we want them to know the truth. There are people in our society that will say, you know, God's word is politically incorrect these days. There's people that want to change it and twist it and say, make it say whatever they very well want it to say. to give them an excuse to do whatever behavior they want to, whatever it is they want to be okay or permission to do or whatever it might be. But you see, God loves us enough that he's not going to change truth just so we feel good about ourselves. He's going to lovingly, the Holy Spirit lovingly convicts us when he needs to convict us. And there's times in all of our lives, when the Holy Spirit has to convict us. And if it's been, you know, a super long time since the Holy Spirit has convicted you of something, then perhaps it's because you've not been listening. Chances are it's not because you've been super good. Although most of you are really sweet and kind people. But the Holy Spirit has to deal with us on a regular basis about things. Because no matter how many years we've walked with Jesus, We don't look like him just yet. And that's what God is working in us. This process that we call sanctification. Is becoming like Jesus. That through this life the Holy Spirit comes and works in our life. The Holy Spirit gives joy and I'm thankful that he does. He lets us know that we're loved. He prays for us, the Bible says, when we don't know how we should pray. He makes utterance for us. But, buddy, you better believe he convicts us when we need convicted. Grandma uh, never spanked me or my brother or sister that I recall. I don't remember Grandpa ever spanking us. I remember my mother a couple times spanking my brother. Never me, of course. And I'm sure. No, she did She did a couple times, I'm sure, growing up. But I am pretty confident that Grandma and Grandpa never did. Because Grandma and Grandpa, uh, Grandma is about Miss Nadine's size. You, you two could pass for twins. Sweet little lady, I mean, just as sweet as can be. Grandpa was about my size. Maybe even a little taller. A loving man, but he had a way, and he joked with you and cut up with you. But he had a look. And when you saw that look, you knew that <laughs> you'd better shape up. And that was enough to scare you in line. Grandma didn't have a mean look. She just had her everyday look, but you didn't want Grandma to be cross at you, so you you know, tried to behave with Grandma. And, uh, you know, they were probably much more patient with us than they were with their children. That's usually, the, I don't know if it's age that mellows folks out or what, maybe more experience, I don't know. But I know my mother has become one of the most mellow, sweetest person, And my little nephew, but now two nephews, will get away with much more than me or my brother or sister ever dreamed about getting away with. Uh, when I was growing up, we drank milk every, every meal. Whether it was breakfast or lunch, we didn't have options. We drank milk because mom knew that that's what we needed and that was I guess she grew up on a farm, so I guess that's part of that training. Now she asks little Ethan, Ethan darling, what do you want to drink? that's yeah, neither here. Yeah. And so uh, you know, uh, true, truly, when we love someone, we want what's very best for. Them. I know that parents and grandparents correct children not because they enjoy being mean or they want to be ogres. If you enjoy spanking your child or your grandchild, there's something wrong with you. You probably need to go to counseling. But if you just don't do it because it's uncomfortable, and you then you don't really love your grandchildren or your children. The Bible says if you love your children, you discipline. Them. Now, discipline is not fun to receive. But we all know it's necessary, don't we? And the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 6 that it is a sign of God's love. He says, who the Lord loves, he chastens, he corrects. And so we need to understand that there are times when love corrects. And you, know, when, and you discipline your children and your grandchildren because you love them. You don't want them to end up in the penitentiary or on the news because they've done some crazy, you know, bad thing. Want to uh, no you know no kid should be able to grow up and kill and have an excuse to say well I didn't know any better they they should know better because people should have spoken into their life and disciplined them and taught them the difference between right and wrong that's what love does and so then in verse eleven he pipes in this final message. He says, listen, when I was a kid, I acted like a kid. In other words, kids, I think this is the point that Paul's trying to make. Kids are not concerned about others most of the time. Most of the time, they are concerned about them. Dave and Tiffany are about to become grandparents. Carol will be a Great You may already be. I think you already are now that you're going to be great-grandma. That little doll, darling, Molly, right? She's going to come into this world. She is going to be the most spoiled baby. But can I tell you, Molly's not going to want to say, Well, I know it's only 2.30 in the morning, but I'm kind of hungry. But mom is sleeping. Maybe grandma and grandpa are staying the night, and they've had a long day. I'll just lay here quietly and roll over and go back to sleep until six or seven when the sun's up, and then I'll cry and tell them that I'm hungry. Anybody ever have a baby that did that? No, you didn't. That baby don't care what time it is or what you're doing or what's on your schedule. When they're hungry, they're going to cry and say, feed me. When their diaper needs changing, they're going to cry and say, change me. And they will keep crying and screaming until you do. And when they get to that toddler stage, they're not one around saying, Grandma, what can I do to help you? They're throwing tantrums on the floor. Say, cookies, cookies, cookies. They want their way and they want it right then. But we need to understand that We need to grow up from that. And adults can love, despite disagreements, adults can love when it's not convenient. And the truth, real love costs us something always. True love will always cost us something. But we willingly pay the price because we love. And so Paul says, listen, I grew up, and so I learned to be concerned about others. I learned, as he's already said, I became all things that I might win a few with the gospel. And so he's making the point that, hey, listen, if you really love someone, if you love God and and love others, then you're not going to behave rudely. You're not going to be proud. You're not going to be arrogant toward other people. You're you're going to be patient with people. You're going to be kind-hearted. You're going to believe in people. He he makes the point that, you know what, love never gives up. Time will come when spiritual gifts are going to end. We won't need our spiritual gifts in heaven. But in heaven, surely there's still going to be love there. Love will never pass away. And I'm so thankful for that. I hope you are uh, as well. And so I thought, you know, that song did a good job. Both of these sermons that we talked about, uh, both this morning as we looked at uh, the salt and light and how we behave as Christians, and tonight we talk about, Paul's chapter of love go hand in hand, that people need to see the love that God has for them by the love that you and I have for them. Because they can't see God, but they can see you and me. And so we have to make sure we do everything we can to make sure that when they look at us, that they know they're loved. They need to know that God loves them. And that we love them and care about them. You remember these important characteristics about what love is. And it's certainly not what our culture says love is today. God's love, and the way love is supposed to work, is much deeper and much longer lasting than the world's love. So I hope we'll remember that. Let's stand together and we'll be just.